Thank you for tuning into the City Church California podcast. We exist for anyone to believe in God, to become who God created them to be, and to build the church and our city. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so that you can be updated anytime we add new content. Now let's check out the latest message from our Sunday gathering. What I want to talk about today is walking out the call. Walking out the call. We're going to go to Ephesians 4 verse 1 and we're going to pretty much go verse by verse to the first 16 verses of Ephesians chapter 4. So yeah, you're going to get like a month's worth of Bible reading in. Don't worry. It'll be good. Uh, I do want to encourage you, go in and read the book of Ephesians. It's really only six chapters. Uh, read it as much as you can. Um, if you want to understand what the church is about, what the church is for, why we're here, the book of Ephesians is the book for you. It's an incredibly well-written book by the Apostle Paul, and it's really all about the church. So we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, and this is where we'll begin. It says, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in the manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in the manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. So the book of Ephesians is, like I said, it's the clearest laid out book of the doctrine of the church. Paul masterfully lays out this book. He describes the church in, in, in many different images. He uses it as a household. Uh, he talks about the church as a temple, as a body, as an army. He talks about a marriage representing church. All of this is giving us a holistic picture of what the church is and what the church is supposed to do. What, why are we here? Why do we gather on a Sunday? Why do we go to small group? Why do we give our money and to build together? Paul begins to lay out what the church is all about and how it's God's plan for the world. The church is God's vehicle to bring his glory to the earth right now. So for Paul, just like we talked about in our last series in A Living Sacrifice, he does not divorce behavior and belief. He always first will start with what you are supposed to believe then he'll come in and bring in, this is then how you should behave. So the book of Ephesians is no different. The first three chapters is him laying out, this is what we believe about the church. And then chapter four is a transition point to say, okay, this is how we live out that belief. So understanding this, this is how our life should look when it comes to the church. So Ephesians 3 finishes with one of our favorite verses. I'm sure some of you have it above your stovetop or your bathroom or, or wherever it is. Some of you may have it tattooed across your chest. It's Ephesians 3.20, right? We love this verse, but we never read 21. It's always about us in verse 20. Just going to say that. So 2021 says this. It says, now to him who is able. Come on, he's able. I grew up in a Pentecostal church. They would preach on that verse for like, 45 minutes, right? Now to him who is able, come on, can I get a praise? And everyone, yeah, you know. Now to him who is able to do more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all the generations forever. So Ephesians 3.20 is not just what God wants to do in your life, Ephesians 3, 20 and 21 is a prayer, a glory about God, about what he wants to do in our world through the church. 
It's, 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 it's going beyond what we could ask, think, dream, or imagine. Only through his power at work within us can we actually begin to see the glory of God at work in our world. And that happens through the church by means of the work of Jesus. We bring glory to the work of God and work of Jesus on the cross by living out what God has called us to do as the church here on earth. That when we as the church are a transformed community, the way that Paul describes, that brings glory to what Jesus did on the cross. When we as the church accept the call of God on our lives and live it out sacrificially, it brings glory to Christ in our world because it's the church being who the church was supposed to be. So this is a prayer of glory and a prayer of praise. It's a doxological prayer, lifting up the glory to God and saying, you are able to do more than I can do on my own. That is the whole thing about being in the church. It's God, you can do more with us as a collective group than we can do on our own. See, we live in a very individualistic kind of me type of society. And we want God to use us apart from the group. But God uses us within the group. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, I am, he's so blown away by what God has already done in the church. And he is filled with hope that if you have done this now, what are you going to do in the next generations to come? Looking to the glory and the hope that we all have, which is the return of Christ and the renewal of this world and the new heavens and the new earth coming down as we rule and reign with Christ forever here on earth. That is our hope. So looking forward to that and seeing what God has already done, Paul is lifting up this prayer of praise and then he transitions into the practical. The glory of God is displayed when the church does what we're supposed to do. And chapter four is this transition point. He says, now, he says, therefore, which means as a result of this understanding and this revelation that we just read in Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, as a result of this, now walk worthy in the manner in which you have been called. The direction of your life should change. Paul reintroduces himself, which he doesn't normally do in a letter. He's already introduced himself at the beginning of this letter and he reintroduces himself in chapter four by saying, I therefore a prisoner. What is he letting them know? He's letting them know the extent in which their call will take them. It's going to take sacrifice. It's not going to be comfortable. It's gonna be times where you're like, I, I, I feel like no one sees me or hears me or knows me. He says, I therefore a prisoner urge you to walk worthy of the call. So what is the call? Paul, Paul is kind of bringing this idea in. Well, first and foremost, really the, the call of God on our life is, is really two parts. First and foremost, it's the universal call of God. And the universal call of God is given to all mankind, and that is to, be, to receive Jesus by faith and be saved, to go from darkness to light, from death to life, from, from being an orphan to being a son and a daughter of God. That is the universal call of God, that when Christ died on the cross, went to the grave, took the keys to death, hell, and the grave, then ro rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, a call was sent out to the world called the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, saying, all those who receive me by faith will receive the eternal life that is within me. So this is the universal call. 
We cannot have the personal call without first accepting the universal call. It is the universal call that brings us into this new body and this new family and this new kind of community in which God is building, that is the church. It is the universal call of God that brings us into this, this, this community of people that are all pursuing the unity and the belief that God is going to do something in this world that we have never seen or thought of or prayed for because where we're going is so glorious and so great and I just want to play my small part in it. But it first takes us to receive the universal call. But the personal call then comes after that. Because once we are all believers, we also recognize quickly that if we have a God who created us for a purpose, we each have a unique reason for living. And that unique reason for living, I believe, is best discovered in the community of God. So the personal call of God is, is when individuals discover and respond to what God has called them to do. This word called is the word klesis, which is similar to the word ekklesia, where we get the word for the church, the ekklesia, the called out one. So klesis is the same word. It's the same root word. And really what this is, is an invitation to play a role, an invitation to a role that you are to play in the church. God is, this morning is giving an invitation to every single person in this room to play a role in what God is doing here. See, it's easy to come to church and have the person who's preaching be, oh, that person plays the role. I just need to come and receive from them. Well, no, it's, and if our preaching doesn't inspire you to play your role, then what's happening is we're consuming something. We're not participating in something. God is not building a church of consumers. He's building a church of priests and participators. And he's saying, hey, I have a role for you to play. I have something for you to do. I have a job. I have an I must. Even Jesus modeled this in John 10. He says, I am the good shepherd, so I must let the sheep into the fold. Paul says, I'm an apostle to the Gentiles, so I must go to Rome. Every time we receive an identity or an I am, we always will attach to it will be an I must. I'm not just I am, but there's something I must do. And there's a personal call on each and every one of our lives to be a part of what God is doing. Our call is not just to get into heaven. Our call is to not just have more money. Our call is to not just be happier and to feel better. Our call is to bring heaven to the earth by living in a community that is so much secure, one, in our identity with Christ, and two, with our brothers, sisters in Christ, that we're growing in unity, we're growing in, in numbers, and we're growing as a community. And guess what? That brings heaven to earth. That brings a different type of kingdom, a different type of living, a different type of thinking. But it requires each and every one of us receiving, accepting by faith the call of God that he has called us to do. The invitation he's given us to play a role in his community. Our call brings heaven to earth. It brings glory to God. And the part we play is never bigger than what we are a part of. See, this is where we miss it. We think our part to play is bigger than the thing that we are a part of. Even if you're like a person on stage, like my part to play or, or our Pastor Steve's, or Pastor, our part's not bigger than what we're a part of. That's how we get into trouble. 
The part we play is the part that God has chosen us to play, but it's not bigger than what we're all trying to do and what God has called us to do as a group. It's not bigger than what we are a part of, which is the church. And the church is this organism that is in relationship with God. And we all have the same vision and the same direction. And we are called to walk in the same des- to the same destination in unity. This is realizing that God has given each and one, every one of us special abilities to bring about his glory on the earth. But we have to bring about maturity both personally and corporately. The more that we actually accept, develop, and grow our call, it brings maturity personally, which then brings maturity corporately. See, spiritual maturity is not just the pastor's job to be spiritually mature. It's everyone's job to pursue this. And as we do that together, guess what? Corporately, we grow more into the, the, the body that God has called us to be. So how do we do this? How do we walk out our call? That is the question we're trying to answer today. So the first thing, and, and we're going to kind of jump down a few verses to verse 7, is it's, your call is always first discerned in the Spirit. Ephesians 4, 7 through 8 says this, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Not according to the measure of your own merit, or being awesome, right? God, I know I'm so awesome. Thank you so much for giving me good gifts, right? <laughs> it's because of Christ. He makes you awesome, right? Amazing. Verse eight, therefore it says, he's quoting Psalm 68 here, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. So right before this, Paul, in the, 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 the verses following verse one, he uses the phrase one, one body, one baptism, one God, one, you know, and he uses that phrase one, he, that word one, seven different times, speaking of the unity of the church, the being unified, being one, which is, is holistic. We're, we're, we're all whole. We're not divided parts walking out our call. We are walking our call together. And then he goes on to say that the gifts that God has given you, the special, because why does he say that? He has to spend six verses reminding us it's about being unified because the moment we hear God has a special call for me, we think ours is the most important. Whew, man, God, I know that person is holding me back from my call. The pastor, if he would just recognize me and give me this and this, well, then I, you know, I got to go to a new church that recognizes my call. This is what we do all the time. I, I would have, I was a youth pastor. Hey, can I, I just really feel a call to preach. Amazing. So are you going to put me up there? Are you going to serve? You know, I just really feel I need to go somewhere that like sees the call of God in my life. And I just don't think you do that. So I'm going to go to this church. Okay. But that's how we live. It's comical, but in fact, it's kind of true. So Paul, like, it, and I don't think the church in Ephesus was any different. I don't think because like they were in ancient times, they were just like, oh, I just love, I love watching that person succeed in me struggle. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I don't think anyone who's human has ever like, <sighs> apart from Christ, we're not saying that. We're looking at that person and be like, yo, why are they operating in their gift? And my gift is sitting here unused, unnoticed. See, that's the deceit of the enemy. 
that we think that what we have, the part that we have to play is bigger than what we are a part of. So Paul spends six verses and seven phrases talking about we're all one. We all are a part of one thing, going after the same goal, the same God, having the same baptism. We are all baptized into the same water. Well, hopefully not the exact same water, right? We've cleaned it. Don't worry. If you haven't been baptized yet, we clean it, okay? It's a channel of grace that God supernaturally infuses after we Clorox it. It's amazing. It's awesome. But it's unity. That's what he's speaking of. So if, we're dis- if we are to discover our personal call, because then he goes into the gifts. So, and who are the gifts given by the pastor? No. Are the gifts given by your parents? No. Your spouse? No. The gifts of God are given by God. He uniquely has given you special abilities or he's made you a channel of grace to other people. In fact, when we operate in the gift that God has called us to, they experience a unique grace they will not experience anywhere else apart from the gift that God has given you. But it requires obedience. It requires humility. And that's what he talks about in verse two, with all humility and all gentleness, with one faith and one bat. He's kind of prepping us. Why? Because he's about to tell them, you have special abilities from God. And we're all like, yeah. We like want to fast forward all the other verses. Like, okay, yeah, thanks, Paul. Let's get to Ephesians 3.20 and Ephesians 4.7. That's all I want, right? You're going to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask and dream or imagine because you've given me special abilities. There's so much in between that that brings a fullness to what God is saying. And so there's this, this, this gift, and it's really, it speaks of the gifts of someone who's been victorious, and they're, they're distributing the, the, the winnings, essentially. So Christ is taking his grace from the victory that was on the cross, and he's giving it back to the church, and giving us channels of grace so that now the world can experience the victory that he purchased on the cross. Our gift is to bring about the victory of God and the kingdom of God in a lost, hurting, broken, dark world. And it is the, the, the victor who is now giving us the gifts to bring about the victory. This is what it's speaking of. So since the gifts are given by God, that means it has to be discerned in the, by the Spirit to find out what that gift is. We, we help out. We have things like growth track that will help you take a test and have people come alongside you. But all, first and foremost, we should discern, what do I feel called to? I remember I was 17 years old and I had this, this holy angst is the way that I'll put it. Usually the thing you complain about the most is the thing that you're called to. I'm serious. The, thing, the problems that we see are the problems we're called to fix. Because you have a grace for it. So much so that you're annoyed by it. I just wish our church would do this. Then do it. Amazing. I remember I was 17 years old and I was so mad at my brother who was the youth pastor. He doesn't love the lost. So I was thinking as my 17 year old mind. He doesn't care about the lost souls of this world. I do, right? This is, we always think our gift is better, right? So I went to him and I said, hey, you, you don't care about the lost. I know, so humble, so gracious. <laughs> I need you, uh, let me instruct you on how to be a youth pastor, okay? Uh, so I had this, this angst. I, I felt like, man, we need to reach out to people on these high schools. I just really feel this. I just, uh, it, it was so 
I had so much angst. It's like I couldn't, if I didn't do it, I, I felt like I would have been just something other than what God had called me to be. And so I got really passionate and I started doing prayer groups. That didn't work. Like nothing was working, but I just kept going. See, you discover the call of God when you first discern it in your spirit. You, there's something within you that you're like, I would, th- we've got to do this. That is when the church is at its best. Not when the preacher is an amazing preacher. Now we're going to, if we have a call to preach, we're going to pursue excellence in that. But the call that each and every believer has when we get enough angst within us to be like, I can't sit down anymore. I got to do this. So if we feel like we need to reach out to our community more, then let's do it. Lead the way. If we need to give more, then do it. Be the first giver. Be the first person. Don't wait for somebody else to take the lead. Be someone who says, I have enough angst within me, this holy angst where I'm like, this has got to get done. If we want more of a culture, well, man, I just wish we would worship like this, then be the person to do it. Lead the way, be a priest. There is so much more within us when we actually understand, I'm not waiting for somebody else to do this. If I'm annoyed enough to talk about it, then God has called me to help fix it. If I have to text somebody, or I wish we would do this, then no, stop texting and pray about a solution and bring a solution to the problem. Because that is the call of God. And the glory of God is brought to the world when the church lives in unity. And we're not looking at one another's gifts saying, well, I wish I had that gift. Do I wish I could sing like David Philly? Who doesn't? Okay. (laughs) Dear Lord. And I can look at David and be like, my God. It's like honey from your lips, man. It's kind of weird that I'm saying that, but it is what it is. Okay. It's amazing. And, And do I try to sing? Do I think I sing like David Philly? Yes. But do I? No, it's <laughs> not my gift. Now, have you ever been to a church where someone thinks they have the gift to lead worship? Don't raise your hand. Right? That's the gift that everyone thinks. Have you ever seen like the American Idol warrant, like auditions? Sometimes that's worship. Poor Pastor Steve. He has to be gracious. Oh, you're so amazing. We really believe that God has a call of God on your life. But, right, we're waiting for that. Not everyone's called to lead worship. Not everyone's called to preach. Not everyone's called to uh, uh, be whatever. Not everyone's called to kids' ministry. Right? Kids' ministry is amazing, but if you're not called to it, it'll destroy you. (laughs) Those kids are ruthless, man. They're coming for your jugular, bro. I, I, I have three of them, right? So, so it, sometimes we think that our call has to look, a, it's discerned in the spirit, but it's lived out in the body. It's lived out. So it, once you discern it, number two is then you need to discover it in community. Paul then goes on a dissertation about church leadership. Oh man, that's fun. Let's read it. Ephesians 4.11. Are you guys ready? And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. What's our job? He's speaking of church leadership here. What's our job? Verse 12. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ. That's our job. 
Okay, so once we discern it in the spirit, we should take it to church leadership to help then have them confirm it. Okay, so if I go to Pastor Steve, I am called to lead worship and then I sing for him. You are a priest, but you're not called to lead other priests in worship. Why? You don't have that gift. It's discovered and developed within this community and we have church leadership. See, the thing is this, verses 11 through 16 is my style of writing. It's one big run-on sentence. When I had to write papers in school, I'd never use punctuation because I could never figure out when my thought was finished. I'm like, no, I'm still going. (laughs) My parents would read my stuff. It's like, this isn't making any sense. I'm like, you're not reading it right. You don't... You don't understand how this works, right? Like me and Paul, man, Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, that's my verse. Why? These are my verses. It's all one big sentence. Seriously, there's, there's, it's not, it's comma. He keeps going. Com- it's like, there's no period. He's, he's flushing out a full idea. It's, it's so interesting. And so you can't really divide this up because it's not even two sentences. It's one sentence. And he's talking about I, I really believe this. I don't think that we will ever fully develop our call apart from the church. I think that we can walk in portions of our call. Why? Because we're image bearers of God and we're gifted. And you can do your giftings and things that God has, you know, maybe gifted you to do, but it will never bring the fulfillment that God has intended it to apart from the body. There's not going to be the the, the, the strength in which, that doesn't mean that everyone needs to work at the church. It means that all of our work is to build the church. Does that make sense? So Paul is talking about leaders in the church and, and so not all of us are called to preach and that's okay. Not all of us are called to preach here on a stage, but all of us are called to embody the sermons that are preached, all of us, including myself. Not all of us are called to lead worship, but we are all called to live a life of worship. Right, like we're all called to to bring songs, hymns and spiritual songs and and to give and to serve and to love and to be generous. That is our worship. It's a reasonable worship too. To be generous with our finances, that's, that's reasonable for what God has done for me. And anyone can do that. But not all of us may be called to be a part of the leadership of the house, but we are all called to function a part of the body. And when we function in our part and we are secure in what God has called us to do, and we, we know that God has called us to do something, and we, it inspires other people to live that way. Mike Rovner inspires me to be a better preacher because he just knows what he's called to do. He's doing construction, he's building like houses, but then he's building the kingdom with his finances. He's building up young leaders and young business people. There's people in our church, Pastor Florence and Ramsey, they know what they're called to do. You have my favorite part of our church is to being in the intercessory room before I preach. There, there's, there's people that pray and then there's people of prayer. That's because they know what they're called to do and who they're called to be. And that makes our body better. That grows this house and what God has called us to do. So those who preach and teach are not better than those, but we have a greater responsibility to develop your gift. That's our job. And sometimes it's not fun. Why? Because we all think our gift's the most important. 
pastor, you don't understand. It's like, I'm trying to, but I'm also trying to develop this person's gift and that person's gift. Let's do it together. But there's a beauty when we submit this one to another. We submit it to leadership. They confirm it, man, there's something so beautiful. So when I went up to my brother and I was like, you don't care about the lost, right? And he's like, well, you seem to care. It's like, I do. It's like, great. Go on, go on the campuses. I'm going to help you out. That is good leadership. He's like, okay, test it out. Why? Because I thought I knew everything. You know the best way to find out you don't know everything? Do something. <laughs> you know, I know someone who isn't doing anything is they still think they know everything, right? I bet you if we did this program, yeah, let's try it. And sometimes it's like, whoa, the hand of God's on it. Sometimes it's like, oh, we got to figure some things out. But that's why we have church leadership. The staff, the team, the path, we're not just here. We're here to shepherd and build this body to help give us direction, to give us a vision to where we're headed, to speak and to preach the gospel and to lead us in worship. But we are there to develop the gifts so that the body can function as the body was meant to function. Each and every one of us playing our part, bringing the kingdom and the glory of God to a lost and hurting, broken world. And then this is where I'll finish because I'm a little over time already, is our gift should be developed to maturity. Ephesians right here is 13 through 16 says this, until we attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head and to Christ. Verse 16, from, the whole bo- from whom the whole body joined and is held together by every joint with which, with it, which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow, so it builds itself up in love. So, so what is it? We, we are looking to, to kind of, maturity is spoken to two different things. First of all, the ultimate maturity is our glorification in Christ, that one day we will be glorified in, the, in eternity with him. That is what we are hoping for. In fact, creation is groaning for that moment. The world is groaning right now in the pain and the hurt and the loss. We're groaning. We are feeling this, this angst of God. This, this can't be it. There's gotta be somewhere greater and guess what there is? That is the Christian hope, that Christ will return. He will bring back and restore everything back to the way that it was intended to be. But until we get there, it is our responsibility to grow and to develop as believers now. And we will never bring our community to maturity if we don't personally grow in maturity. And maturity does not mean age. It doesn't mean how long you've been saved. It doesn't mean uh, how many gray hairs or how many little gray hairs. Maturity is not about all of that. Maturity is us being developed into Christ, which means we all have somewhere to grow, don't we? Because in comparison to Christ, it's like, oh, I got a whole long way to grow. And it's when we receive our gifts and know that's when the body is nourished. That's when the body grows, when every part. See, imagine if just my heart worked and nothing else, what would happen? I would die. 
I need my brain. I need my heart. I need my lungs. We need each and every part, joint, everything we need to work, work together, walk in step, that we can grow together. This is our, our maturity is not measured by the amount of time or our age. It's measured by Christ. The growth, of the, the growth of the body is when each individual member does what God has called them to do in love. That's how we grow as a body. When we each discover what God has called us to do and we develop it to maturity, we do it when we do it in love together. And I'm gonna go back to that prayer in Ephesians 3.20 and you can stand to your feet. This is where I finish. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. The prayer is fulfilled in our community, in our city, when each of us first and foremost accept the call of salvation. So if you haven't accepted the call of salvation, today is your day. And two, the call in each and every one of our lives to build up the kingdom of God. Maybe that's in business. Maybe that's in education. Maybe it's in youth ministry. Maybe you're called to minister to families and to marriages. Maybe you're called to preach, to lead worship. Maybe you're called in leading kids. Maybe you're called to, to be someone who's, who brings a guest experience or is greeting people and loving people. Maybe you're called to host a small group. Whatever you are called to do, Ephesians 3.20 is brought about when we accept that call. So the question is today, have we accepted the call of God on our life, a part of this body, to build what God is building here in Ventura? Because if we want to see the maturity of it, the fullness of what God is going to do through this house, it requires all of us discerning, discovering, and developing the call of God on our life. And I believe Ventura will never be the same because there's a community of people who are walking in unity towards the same God, with the same heart, the same vision, with unique gifts, unique talents, unique channels of grace that minister to each other, that build each other up. Some of you, there's people in this room, you have the gift of encouragement. You're not just a nice person. God has given you the channel of grace to encourage believers when they're hurting. Use it. We need every gift in this place to do what God has put on our hearts which is we wanna see our city saved. We wanna bring the kingdom of God to Ventura, California. We wanna bring the kingdom of God to this region. And when we bring it to our city and to our region, guess what? The world will be put on notice. Imagine a community with diverse backgrounds and diverse upbringings and diverse cultures and diverse gifts and abilities able to live in unity because we're pursuing one God with one vision. That is the body of Christ. That is what God has called us to do. And it takes everyone, not just the preacher, not just the worship leader. Man, if we could all be David Philly, that'd be awesome. 
But God gave us David Philly to lead worship. And just as he is operating in his call, let's operate in ours. Can we lift our hands this morning? And I'm gonna have Pastor Steve do a salvation altar call, but I just wanna do a moment where the Lord is calling right now. It's discerned in the spirit. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you begin to reveal what's our place in the body. Where have you called us to? Is it kids? Is it youth? Is it business? Is it generosity? Is there people in this room that God has just called you to be, have the gift of generosity? Is it hospitality where you are welcoming in strangers and making them feel like family members? What is it? Is it the gift of intercession and prayer? Is it the gift of worship? Is it the gift of teaching? Is it the, Lord, I pray right now you're helping us discern what is our part to play? And we accept. Once we, we've discerned it, we accept it. We're going to find leaders to help develop it. We're going to get in community and we're going to see the maturity of what you have called us to do. We're going to see the fullness of the plan of God in City Church, California. In Jesus' mighty, mighty name. Amen. We so appreciate you spending time with us. If you'd like to invest into what God is doing through City Church, California, you can go to our website, citychurchca.com, and click Give. Thanks again, and we hope to see you at one of our campuses this Sunday.